0: This is episode 72.
1: The mission that we have here really touches my heart.
0: This time on All Hazards, Cal OES from an international point of view.
1: The world is watching us, how we respond. Countries want to come and visit and learn from our subject matter experts.
0: Delegations visiting from around the globe doubled in 2019. Much of that is due to the effort of the Cal OES International Affairs Office.
1: Monday, we have a Korean delegation. There's two professors from the University of Seoul who have done extensive research on alert and warning, and they want to come and see how California does our communication and and alert and warning. But I also felt that was a great opportunity for us to learn from them.
0: From delegations to international disasters, Cal OES gets involved to learn, teach, and respond. Earthquakes in Mexico, Chile, and the Calexico border, and the tsunami in Japan. International Affairs plays an important role back at home, too. Find out how right now. All right, folks, I want to thank you for tuning in to this episode of All Hazards. With me in the studio today is the Assistant Director for International Affairs here at Cal OES, Ms. Helen Lopez. Yeah. Hi, Telling. Sean. Hey. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm doing better now that you're here. Thanks for being here and of talking with me. I appreciate it. We're going to delve into international affairs and how things mm-hmm. work here at Cal OES and uh, the role that you and your office play uh, when it comes to sort of the daily in and outs of Cal OES activity, but also looking at disasters and emergencies and the role that you folks play. To a lot of people, that's sort of a mystery. We're not exactly sure. We have an idea, but we're not quite sure what role you folks play and, and really how important your office is. So, First, before we get into all of that, tell me a little bit about yourself. How did you get here and when? Wow,
1: it's been a long time now. I've been here at Cal OES since 2008, almost 11 years. Prior to that, I worked at the Department of Food and Agriculture. I was um, executive director of the State Board of Food and Agriculture, as well as manage a grant uh, management uh, program. Um, I became special assistant to the secretary there um, where I staffed him on all his travels, plus led the Border Governors Ag Worktable, which was my first exposure to international affairs. Mm. The Border Governors um, is a conference that would take place every year among the 10 border states of the U.S. and Mexico. Mm. And we worked a whole year on issues um, impacting the border region and came up with um, recommendations for the governors to sign a joint declaration at the end of the year.
0: Cool. So, when you got into this line of work, had you ever imagined that you would be working in some kind of capacity, uh, international affairs, government, or was that something that you planned to do?
1: No, I did not. Um, When I was younger, of course, there was always a desire to work internationally, Um, but I took the conservative route and obtained my degree in accounting, um, business administration with a concentration in accounting. And my first opportunity was becoming an auditor in 19. Ninety-one at the Department of Food and Ag, where I audited the California Affairs, conducted um, uh, financial and compliance uh, audits, as well as special investigations. Wow. I moved my way up um, to audit director, and as I mentioned, eventually special assistant and executive director of the Board of Agriculture.
0: Well, congratulations there. I got to tell you, it doesn't sound as exciting as what you're doing now, though
1: you know what? Um, This is really exciting. And the mission that we have here really touches my heart and I know that it makes a difference. And so um, I feel um, blessed to have this opportunity here.
0: Well, we're glad to have you. So let's get right into what your office uh, really does handle. Mm -hmm. It sounds to me like you have a lot on your plate. I I think with most of the offices in this agency
1: yes absolutely um, as you know Cal OES does have a lot on our place especially with all the recent disasters and how many we're facing with climate change um, but yes um, we do uh, have a, a quite a workload the role the day-to-day role is to coordinate delegations that want to come to California because California has experienced many disasters over the last three years the world is watching us how we respond and so um, many countries want to come and visit and learn from our subject matter experts. Our delegations have, have more than doubled in the last year. Mm. Um, we were getting an average of 15. Now 30 delegations have visited us. And these are countries from Japan, Chile, Germany, on how we responded to the disasters, the wildfires, how we coordinate. We share our best practices, our lessons learned. Um and the technology that we use to successfully combat these fires.
0: Hmm. I know we've had, uh, at least in my involvement, we've had uh, the folks from um, New Zealand, uh, from... uh was it the state of Victoria?
1: The state of Victoria. Mm-hmm. That's that's absolutely correct. And so that um, evolved uh, through an MOU memorandum of understanding that our director entered in with the state of uh, Victoria in Australia. And when we had the fires in 2017, the Tubbs Fire, it was just a very devastating fire. We were able to coordinate and bring firefighters from Australia and New Zealand, approximately 40, mm-hmm. to help us um, combat the fires, as well as them um, sharing their experiences. Experience and expertise with us, and then also seeing what our firefighters do and how they respond to the fires.
0: So we're learning something from each other.
1: Always. We're yeah. mutually always learning from each other um, mm. to share our best practices on drought, um, earthquakes, uh, floods, and wildfire response.
0: When you're talking about these visits that we're getting from such a wide variety of countries, that's sort of the daily thing. But now we're, mm. we're getting into a little bit more of the, the disaster and emergency world. Let's talk about uh, I think the most recent big one that that really stands out in our mind, and that's the campfire that happened in Paradise. Did so much devastation there, and that was of course that broke out on November eighth of twenty eighteen. What was your office's role? What what did you guys do for that?
1: Our role was to reach out to the vulnerable communities. Um, vulnerable communities are the people that do not speak English, um, that are immigrants. Farm workers, the indigenous from Mexico that that we have a large population here, reaching out to them to see what needs they need during Mm -hmm. these disasters. Um, how can we help them? How can we provide resources um, to them? Um, Because as you know, many do not go to the shelters. Many do not go and seek the assistance in the local assistance centers because they're afraid because of what's happening at the federal level. So they want to see people that they can identify with and trust. And so my role is uh, reaching out to the NGOs who work with them, um, and identifying what those needs are and reporting it out to our executive team, the Unified Coronation Group, mm. so that they can, we can strategize on how to provide those resources to them. I also attend public, um, forums for them in Spanish and provide them, um, information and the resources in Spanish.
0: Okay. So being a Latina, uh, I would assume that that gives you that, that trust factor that not a lot of other, uh. Mm-hmm others might get
1: that that is correct they identify with me a, a female latina at this level of a position they trust they call me and you know they feel that you know we are um honest of what we're uh, offering
0: do you have ever the opportunity to give them a little bit about your backstory
1: Sometimes very yeah. little. I yeah. haven't. Um, I always just keep to the professionalism, but I right. don't share my, my where I come from in my yeah. story. I have never done that.
0: Would you be willing to share it with me? Uh,
1: of course. Yes, absolutely.
0: Helen Lopez will tell us about her life growing up and how it relates to her position as assistant director international affairs in just a moment.
1: Number 12 of 13 children. My dad came with the Bracero program Back in the day, when my parents left Mexico and they drove from Mexico City, my mom pregnant, ready to give birth, they drove until they hit Phoenix, Arizona and then she said, I think it's time.
0: Looking ahead in this podcast, how Cal OES International Affairs plays a critical role with vulnerable communities at home.
1: Seeing people sad and anguished about what they were going through and how they were going to feed their family.
0: Let's get back to our conversation with Assistant Director of International Affairs, Helen Lopez. Tell me a little bit about your your history.
1: My history, I'm number 12 of 13 children. My dad came with the Bracero program back in the day. um, And so he came here and every year, him and my mom would bring one child. I was one of the fortunate ones, um, three of the 13 13 that was born here in the United States, in California. Mm. I was born um, in Phoenix, Arizona, when my parents left Mexico to, it was time to come back to the north. And they drove from Mexico City, my mom pregnant, ready to give birth. And as soon as she got into that car, um, uh, eight hours into the the drive, she told my brother that I think um, she was not feeling well. Mm. They drove until they hit Phoenix, Arizona, and then she said, I think it's time. And I was born in Phoenix, Arizona.
0: <laughs> That's terrific. That's terrific. Quite a so story. You have had opportunities, I would assume, to discuss sort of the current border situation with folks. I don't want to yes. merely get into that uh, in depth, but. I would imagine being a Latina from you know parents who immigrated into the United States.
1: Yeah, yeah, I could relate to many. Um, mm. My parents, my parents were farm workers. Um, they lived in a farm in Susan Valley. I grew up in a in beautiful acreage, but we had a very very modest home. Mm. And I personally have worked the fields. I have picked tomato. I have picked um, grapes. I have uh, picked. Uh, pears and peaches and cut apricot. Every summer, that was my life. Every summer, I worked hard enough so I can relate to them. um, But at the same time... um, I know that we live in a, for me, in a great country, that the opportunity is there for us to succeed.
0: I bet now you, you look back on it a little more fondly than, than you did when you were a child. To I would assume that it was just hard work back then. It
1: was hard work. Yeah. I will not advise anyone to pick grapes <laughs> or, or tomatoes. Those were the hardest. But it taught me a work ethic, and that made me who I am now. Yeah. And I love agriculture. And so somehow I look back and I see that Agriculture and my life there. With now the mission that we carry here, it was meant for a reason.
0: Yes, well, and you're able to effectively communicate with the vulnerable population in a way that that I couldn't. You know, that's that's one of the benefits uh, of your background.
1: That that is correct. I'm able to. Um you know, empathize with what they're going through. I'm able to feel their pain when they're out there, um, when they don't have the money. I'm able to feel that. And so I go and do whatever I can here at Cal OES to try to um, reach out and get those resources that they need.
0: So let's talk about then the uh, the Tubbs Fire, which uh, burned in Napa, Sonoma. That started in October of 2017. What about that? How did that challenge you guys?
1: It challenged us because it was one of the... the biggest and deadliest fires, and I think it was really the time that it opened my eyes um, to the community um, and all the immigrants that really worked there. Um, I realized that there's also an indigenous community, and I wasn't aware of that, and they're called Mestecos, who don't even speak Spanish. Uh, They speak a dialogue, and so I wasn't aware, but in reaching out to the NGOs, um, inquiring on the needs... They've informed me that there was a large uh, population of Mistecos who don't speak um, uh, Spanish and needed resources. And so that um, inspired me and I wanted to help out more. And so I've made it a point of myself to kind of start reaching out to those organizations that uh, work with those communities.
0: So I had never heard of that population that doesn't even speak Spanish.
1: Right. Right. And so that's the beauty of this job and reaching out is because I don't think Cal OES We knew that either, and me reaching out to these communities and the NGOs, they're informing us, they're providing us kind of the fabric of what our country's made of. And so knowing that there's this community there, um, now I know, now we try to have more information translated into Spanish um, and have them translate that into their dialect.
0: Wow, that provides a a challenge to you that you hadn't really anticipated.
1: That's correct. Yeah, it does, because I'm thinking here just Spanish, um, but now I'm like, there's more to help, and these people come from southern Mexico.
0: All right. So are they just uh, uh, less educated, or why is it that they don't speak Spanish, but they speak this dialect?
1: It's just like our... um tribes here. They are proud of being who they are. Um, They don't consider themselves Mexican, I've been told. And so they want to conserve um, their customs. So, you know, of course, poverty makes them come to the north, to California and to work um, so they could take it back and send money back to their families. Um, But this is all new to them. And this is where they come and they come through either contracts um, that are established labor contracts to come and work um, the fields And harvest the food that we all eat Mm -hmm. here in the United Mm -hmm. States, in California. Um, But they come with limited, um, you know, language.
0: Fascinating. Really is. So how else did the Tubbs Fire impact you?
1: Well, as I said, it uh, made me realize um, that there's a lot of people Mm -hmm. um, that need help that I can relate to. Um, and it just fulfills me that I have this mission where I can reach out to them and help them or, or be the liaison to coordinate assistance from NGOs to them, um, to reassure them that it's OK that California is here for them. Um, that although at the national level they're, may, they are, they're afraid, that this administration, this director, were there to help them and that they really care. And I convey that message to them, that we care.
0: Is there ever an opportunity for you to actually get out in the field and, and meet these folks directly as opposed to maybe just dealing with uh, an NGO who, mm-hmm. who deals with them directly? I
1: did have that, I do have that opportunity yeah. and I did, um, during that fire, I went to two public forums oh. um, where I uh, represented Cal OES. I spoke in Spanish um, and I provided uh, resource information about the local assistance center, about uh, the assistance that's available. And I highly, highly stress that um, not to be afraid that if they had um, a child or if someone was a U.S. citizen in that household, that they can qualify for the um, the FEMA assistance uh, programs. So Boy. it's giving them that information that they need.
0: That's got to be a big relief for them to know that. Just such a weight taken off of their shoulders, assuming that they trust yeah. you.
1: Yes, it is. I mean, I, I recall seeing, uh, being in, in, just watching the lines at the local assistance center, seeing. People sad and 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 anguished about what they were going through and how they were going to feed their family. And so, me talking to them and putting my just talking and sharing, I could feel them them welcoming it and feeling mm. them somewhat at peace or knowing that we're here to help them.
0: I mean, because every parent wants to make sure that their children are safe and healthy. Um, you know, as as parents, that's our priority. That's our focus. That's what nature. Uh, has written into our DNA that uh, if all everything else fails, make sure your children are healthy and safe.
1: That's true. And, and that's uh, what all families want. And as a mother and as a Latina mother, I can relate to many, many women. And um, that's our priority, our children, our family
0: for sure. So your your title is Assistant Director of International Affairs. What we've been talking about so far has been primarily California. Let's talk a little bit about some of the international activity. For example, uh, in September of 2017, the Mexico earthquake, uh, I think it was called the Puebla?
1: The Puebla, yes.
0: Tell me a little bit about that and your role there.
1: So my role there um, uh, is when something devastating or a disaster happens in another country, I reach out to the consulate. Um, and that particular night, I reached out to the Mexican consulate, Liliana Liliana Ferrer, um, to inquire how can California help? On behalf of our director, governor's office, um, and the governor, how can we help you? And we exchanged information. We were on the phone probably till one in the morning, um, just sharing information, and she was relating it to Mexico City. And it's really saying to them, we're here for you. If you need resources, we're here, whether it's um, just intelligence information that they also provide us so that we can communicate here to our governor's office.
0: So there are going to be people who maybe aren't familiar (laughs) with California's role and MOU's Mm -hmm. uh, memorandums of understanding. Explain to those people why California would even get involved in an earthquake Mm. that happened in Mexico.
1: As you know, earthquakes don't respect borders or disasters. We have a large significant, um, you know, uh, Mexican population here. Mexico is our neighbor. So... Whatever we can share to help um, another country with our disaster, you know, it's, it's, it comes from our heart. We help them with information. We help them with resources. Um, at the time, I think I was coordinating with some of our state agencies on sending teams to assess damaged buildings, urban search and rescue, to assist them in finding fatalities in Mexico.
0: Has the current political climate impacted in any way your ability to do your job for Cal OES when it comes to Mexico.
1: No. Okay. No, no, it hasn't. Our administration here, we help. Yeah. So whatever's happened at the national level um, has not really impacted my role mm-hmm. because when I reach out to these countries and Mexico specifically, it's on behalf of California, and I know the the views and the policies of this administration, and it is to help Calif- all everyone and California for all. So so in that respect, it hasn't. Good. I know that Mexican um, officials are a little bit sometimes reluctant, but as I explain to them our role and um, what we believe here in California and that we are for everybody, um, they welcome
0: us. Oh, that's terrific. Let's talk about Chile, California for all, of course. Back to the conversation in a moment. On the way, Helen's work to bring international delegations to Cal OES for mutual benefit.
1: Monday, we have a Korean delegation. There's two professors from the University of Seoul who have done extensive research on alert and warning, and they want to come and see how California does our communication and alert and warning. But I also felt that was a great opportunity for us to learn from them.
0: Our final segment with Helen Lopez begins now. You have traveled to Chile. I
1: have, um, three times. I was hoping
0: I could get on one of those trips to go with you there, uh, just as an educational piece, if nothing else.
1: That would be great. (laughs) I'm working on some initiatives on that. Yeah.
0: So tell me about, um, I think there was another earthquake uh, down there in Chile. It was Mm -hmm. God, almost 10 years ago now. That's correct.
1: That's correct. Um, In 2010, and that was my first introduction to Chile. Mm. They had a a very uh, devastating earthquake that caused a tsunami that I think it killed approximately 500 um, civilians. And through... that um, we were able to um, send a delegation over there to assist them. The administration at the time wanted to provide resources, and so we did. We provided um, satellite phones so that they would be able to communicate. That was the beginning of us entering into a joint declaration with Chile, on sharing best practices, technical expertise, training, and lessons learned that California has. And so we also wel- welcomed um, a delegation of approximately 25 Chileans. Mm. And that was done through the US Embassy in Chile ourselves. And we coordinated a week worth of subject matter uh, briefings on co- uh, response, um, coordination, um, earthquake alert warning, Crisis communication, various topics um, with Chile.
0: What was your impression uh, when you left uh, Chile about their preparedness, their emergency response capabilities? Mm-hmm. What did you take away from? From Chile,
1: Chile is very prepared. Chile also um, uses the same systems that we do, the emergency management systems. So we also learn from Chile. One of the um, areas that I got is that they work closely with their indigenous community. Um, they are they teach them to be self prepared. And Chile has a little, a lot of little islands, mm. and so we visited one of those little islands where the community um, are self prepared they're sustainable, they even grow their own um, agriculture. Oh, okay. That was a beautiful experience that we all took a lot from it.
0: I think it tells you when other countries are telling their own populations, you can't rely on us, the government for everything. You have to take some responsibility for Mm -hmm. yourselves and your own safety. It's exactly what we teach here.
1: Right. And we saw that in Chile. That was a delegation in 2016, uh, Cal Fire director and our director, Mark gilder We went there. We signed uh, two MOUs between Cal Fire and their counterpart, CONAF, us uh, with ONEMI. And we saw that, yeah, that's the message that they convey. And they want the community, the indigenous, to be um, self-sufficient and reliant during an emergency.
0: Yeah, you have to you have to look out for yourself. There is something you have to be able to help yourself as much as you can because it's gonna hopefully really improve your odds yes. of recovery. You know, you mentioned tsunami down there, one that unfortunately killed about five hundred people. Right. I know the the earthquake that happened in two thousand eleven off the coast of Japan uh, also created a tsunami, which we now know boy did a, a massive amount of damage. To uh, the Fukushima nuclear power mm-hmm. plant, I think now it's considered the the worst nuclear disaster uh, since Chernobyl, which at the time was the worst. Uh, so now the worst in the mm-hmm. world. Right. Um, we, of course, uh, were afraid that there was going to be some tsunami effects here. Uh, mm-hmm. With that, that wave's got to go somewhere.
1: Right? You yes. Know?
0: It's going to come. Uh, it hit. Japan and is going to come back all the way across uh, the Pacific Ocean and then possibly hit the Pacific Rim in some way. Tell me about your, your efforts there.
1: Um, the efforts there, I was in communication with our warning center. We were getting information from, I believe it was the national weather, on this potential tsunami. Um, it was We were watching it. And so I was uh, in communication with Baja California um, Civil Protection. I was in communication with Chile on that information. So as I got that information from our contacts, I provided that to Baja California and Chile so that we would all be on the same page and have the same information and help us prepare ourselves for this potential tsunami.
0: Were they uh, on pins and needles talking with you? Did you get a sense that they were grateful to be able to talk with you?
1: Yes, absolutely. They're always grateful. I always get that from them, Um, especially that I'm speaking in Spanish to them, that we could relate the same language and they could understand me and...
0: Right. Oh man. So overall you are a very busy office. How many folks do you have working with you?
1: It's only me and one AGPA. <laughs> yes. Get out. Only two of us. And so the demands have become a little bit um overwhelmed. Um and yeah. so we're working on hopefully, you know, getting one more well, position.
0: I'll tell you, if I spoke Spanish as well as you do and I barely speak I know Cerveza, I know Banos, I know <laughs> I know what I need to get me through. Uh <laughs> Tequila? <laughs> <laughs> um if I knew enough, I would ask you, hey, let me come help you out because I think it would be a fascinating job. I it really is, do.
1: It is fascinating. And one thing that I am doing, I am reaching out to those that speak Spanish within the agency and other languages. One of my future goals is to develop that network. Mm-hmm. And whenever we do have a, a disaster, then I could reach out and see if they could get activated and go to the field and be with the people and touch and you know provide the information that yeah. we need to provide. Oh, yeah. I'm also working with the Mexican con. At, there's 10 of them here in California. And we want to establish this disaster rapid um, team where when we have, um, when there is a disaster, they go to the field and work with their people and share the information. And we're in contact, constantly sharing information. They're providing me what are the needs. And then I work here with my colleagues to see how we can meet those needs. Good.
0: What do you have coming uh, immediately in the, in the pipeline? What do you have in the future?
1: Uh, Monday, we have a Korean delegation. There's two professors from the University of Seoul who have done extensive research on alert and warning, and they want to come and see how California does our communication yeah. and, and alert and warning. And so um, I've assembled a team of our subject matter experts to provide a briefing to them but I also felt that was a great opportunity for us to learn from them. I understand that they are more advanced in some of these communication systems. And so Ryan Arba, um, Dave Myers, uh, we're going to meet with them and hopefully uh, also, as always, um, obtain their expertise. So that's how California benefits from these um, international delegation visits.
0: Oh, that's great. Anything else you'd like to add that maybe you haven't had a chance to discuss yet?
1: Um, I would just say that, you know, another role of mine is that when the director travels internationally, um, my office is in charge of, uh, coordinating the policy meetings with our counterparts or the many meetings that we're going to meet with, um, develop his agenda, his um, talking points. Um, So that's another role. And I work a lot with the State Department, Office of Foreign Mission here in California. There's a northern and a southern. And we share all the information um, during a disaster, and they put it on their websites um, to pass it on to the consulate, um, the consulate corps. So anytime that uh, we have the opportunity, I work with the Consulate Corps. And also, the governor established the International Interagency Trade and Development Committee that is co-hosted by um, the lieutenant governor and go And through that committee, um, they strategize on the international priorities for the state. And so the director is a member of the committee. So, of course, I staff him, and so I drive that effort on behalf of Cal OES on all international efforts.
0: Yeah, you you need some help. I, 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 get the, I get the impression you need some help. But I do have one more question. This is a question I used to ask early on in the uh, first episodes of this podcast, and I haven't done it for a while, but I'm going to do it now. And that is... What music do you have on your phone right now?
1: What music do I have on my phone? Wow, I have lots of music. I have music in Spanish and yeah. English. I, um, I, I like um, some of those, uh, you were just singing some of those songs Marvin Gaye. Oh, yeah. um, What's and
0: going on? That, that is one? one of my favorite yeah. ones. What's
1: going on? Or, um, you know, there's one lady. There's many that I like. Yeah, and then in yeah. Spanish.
0: So, what one have you played the most lately? Like on the way in, what did you play? Anything?
1: <laughs> what ha- Well, quiz, I, I go through a cycle. So uh, I would say that four months ago, I was playing Mama with Queen and oh. Love of My Life. Um, today, I was playing um, Cristiano Dales um, in Spanish. Okay. Um, and then um, I forget his name Al Green. Oh. There's oh, one in Al Green that I yeah, love. Yeah, you're going old school. I yeah, love that. old school. I like old school. Yeah, so. that's
0: good. It's got some soul to it. That yeah, to I love that kind of music. Yeah, yeah, I do. Well, that's very cool. And the reason I ask this is because I think it, it sheds a little bit of light into uh, some of the personalities of the folks that I talk to. So yes. I appreciate that. Oh, Thanks for sharing. Of course,
1: of course absolutely.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, Helen Lopez, who is the Assistant Director of International Affairs here at Cal OES. Thanks, Helen.
1: Thank you. Thank you for giving me this opportunity.
0: It's been educational for me. And and I enjoyed it thoroughly. Awesome.
1: All right. Thanks.
0: A big thank you to Helen for your time and effort to help shed a little more light on what you do day in and day out. And of course, when disaster strikes within and outside California's borders. And my thanks to you, the listener, for taking the time to listen and subscribe to All Hazards. Now, if you haven't subscribed, we'd of course like you to do that. You can do it at any of your favorite podcast platforms, possibly the one you're listening to right now. Now, If you have any questions or comments or even some ideas, email me at questions at caloes.ca.gov. And of course, remember that in the notes section of this podcast post, or any of them, we have a lot of other valuable information and links about the topic that we're talking about. Well, for everyone in our Office of Public Information here at Cal OES in Mather, California, which is right outside Sacramento, I'm Sean Boyd. Take care and be safe.
1: You've been listening to the Cal OES All Hazards Podcast. Don't forget to check out our podcast page where you can find past episodes along with show notes and links. And give us a social shout out. Tell others about us on Twitter and Facebook. And let us know what you think. We'd love to hear from you.